0: Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name is Jeff. Joining me as usual is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, welcome back.
1: Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be uh, talking to all those awesome people out there that for some reason listen to us.
0: The check is in the mail, everybody. Just (laughs) keep looking for it. Um, let's see. I wanted to talk about a couple of things before we get into... Well, I mean, I don't want to talk about a couple of things. We have to, because we have to start with BP first. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of the the way the show goes. So let's get into our BP segment. I'm a little excited, because I have a lot of stuff to talk about today, and I'm excited to talk about baseball, shockingly enough. Your Mariners just finished up a series with the Atlanta squad.
1: Yes, they did.
0: And, uh, apparently... Known grumpy old man Joe Simpson was having a bit of a fit in the booth on Saturday night on the radio Uh side. Uh Oh. Yeah, I know. Shocking that Joe Simpson was complaining about something. Well, he was a little bit upset that the Mariners, Sam Haggerty, a.k.a. Ham Swaggerty, was wearing number zero. (laughs) I mean, of all the things, especially all the things that were announced in the past week, concerning baseball that are changing to complain about a player wearing number zero is just, I
1: he's run out of other stuff. Uh, oh other no, he, no,
0: this is just Simpson. He'll never run out of stuff to complain <laughs> about when I was in Atlanta and like, say they were on the road. So I'd be watching them. Whenever Joe came on to do his innings on TV, I would turn on the radio. I just, wow. He has just never been one of my favorites, uh, and this does not add to it. He's like an older John Smoltz. Uh, I did look it up though. No Atlanta player has ever worn number zero. I was I was just um, hoping somebody had so I could just yes, control his grill. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, today uh, the main topic of the show. I am going to be talking about kangaroo courts. Um, oh, nice. We've, I mean, we've talked about kangaroo courts before, but we've never done a whole episode on some of the odd fines that have been levied throughout kangaroo court dumb. But while I did that, while I was researching that, I found a couple of quick stories that are in the same realm, the same like geography of the court. But there were not actually things that were ended up in a kangaroo court. So I wanted to throw them here in BP. <laughs> so first there's Ted Williams. He's on the Red Sox. I'm sure you probably knew that. What? Yeah, I know. Shocker. Uh, Skipper at the time, Joe McCarthy, decides that all players would have to wear ties. So when traveling to and from the ballpark or if they're on the train or the plane, whatever, they got to wear ties. Basically, anytime they weren't in uniform and they're together as a team, you got to you have to be wearing a tie. Well, Ted Williams, he did not like to wear ties. Therefore, Ted Williams did not wear a tie. So McCarthy was asked why Williams was allowed to get away with it. And this was his reply, quote, any other gentleman on this club hits 390 and he won't have to wear a necktie either. End quote. (laughs) Ted Williams.
1: I have to agree with that. Yeah.
0: It's, if, if, (laughs) I wonder if he if you wore, if he wore a tie, his batting average starts to dip and then he would (laughs) have.
1: It's just something to do with the, blood flow, blood flow.
0: yeah yeah definitely well, you know that eyesight of his was famous so you don't want to miss. Yes. that's a good point. Uh, so that's really more of a perk than a court find. It's a perk for being one of the if not the greatest hitter in baseball history. Well another perk was afforded to another legend, his name being Joe Dimaggio. You know, uh, other than you know being married to Marilyn Monroe, that was a, that was a perk on its own. That's a
1: that's a great perk. Yeah, that right was a good there.
0: that was a good perk. But I can't but, think of
1: many better perks, my friend.
0: <laughs> well, uh, just wait. You know, here All it right, is. Okay. Let's see if this let's see if I'm this listening. tops it. <laughs> Backup outfielder Hank Workman was Joe DiMaggio's caddy. Now, when I say caddy, I don't mean like on a golf course. Workman was there. Between every inning, when Joe got to the dugout, he would be holding a lit Chesterfield cigarette for the Yankee Clipper. (laughs) Not after the game, mind you. Every inning. And lit. You don't want Jolton Joe to, like, sprain a finger lighting a match or something. It's lit and ready to go.
1: I have never heard that. That's amazing.
0: He's like, I gotta gotta have one of these between every single (laughs) inning. inning
1: that's multiple packs a day that's um interesting
0: well that's multiple packs a game i mean but i mean they're i guarantee you they're chesterfield they're free that that big chesterfield sign at old yankee stadium out there in right field i mean yeah all right so uh, this show is debuting yeah this isn't even the debut segment we're not even there yet But this show is debuting on September 13th, and I was looking through stuff that happened on this day throughout baseball history, and this is a crazy, crazy baseball history day. Maybe it's because some of these 13ths obviously fell on a Friday. Maybe that led to some of this, but there are some wacko stuff that happened, and I cannot believe how many... Just not noteworthy things happen on September 13th through baseball, but how many things that especially listeners of this podcast would would know about and will know about by the just the sentence I'm going to read about each of these. So without going into depth on each item, I'm just going to list some of the things that happened today in the past on September 13th. 1845, Alexander Cartwright publishes the first set of rules for the game of baseball. That's a pretty important one. Almost as if he invented the game. It's, Almost. <laughs> it's strange. Uh, 1883, Hugh Daly. We've talked about Hugh, the one-armed pitcher for Cleveland. Throws a no-hitter against the Phillies. 1889, Old Haas Radburn. We've talked about him. He throws two complete games in both ends of a doubleheader.
1: <laughs> old oh, Haas. You can't beat Old Haas.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah, apparently they could because he didn't win either of those games. Oh, that's a bummer. Today, 1900, Christy Mathewson makes his first career start. Nice. I I think he did okay as a starter.
1: He was good. I remember right.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went on to do okay. 1902, Tinkers to Evers to Chance play their first game together for the Cubs. Wow. Of course, they would go on to never lead the league in double plays turned. (laughs) Uh, 1936, a 17-year-old Bob Feller... Strikes out 17 Philadelphia Athletics. Wow. Again, I think we've talked about almost every single one of these, but to have them all fall on this day is pretty incredible. Then we move on to 1951. The Cardinals play a doubleheader. Okay. So? Against two different teams. They played the first game against the Giants, and then the nightcap was against Boston. This was the first three-team twin bill since 1883, and I'm I'm not sure it might be the last one since that time. Oh well, yeah, I mean
1: that sounds kind of fun to be honest
0: with you. Really, you want to work a doubleheader, And well, I guess you're just you're just running the scoreboard. I gotta change all the logos and all the other stuff. That doesn't sound fun to me. But uh, let's see, 1965, Willie Mays hits his 500th career home run. Please. Nice. 1986, in Yankee Stadium, a fan steals Jim Rice's hat, leading to a Players in the Stands brawl. All right. Oh, my. 2004, Rangers pitcher Frank Francisco swings a chair at fans in the Oakland stands behind the bullpen, leading to a Players in the Stands brawl. Wow. <laughs> That's weird that those both happened on the same day.
1: Very strange.
0: you, You know, it was 18 years apart, but still. Right. And then finally, in 2017, Cleveland wins their 21st consecutive game, setting a new American League record and tying the Major League record. Crazy day.
1: That's pretty amazing.
0: September 13th. All right. Now, I do have a couple of debuts that happened today. Throughout baseball. September 13th, 1904. Our boy, and we have not mentioned him in several episodes, which is weird because they used to come up every other episode. Gabby Street made his uh-huh. debut.
1: Oh, the great Gabby Street.
0: Uh Gabby as a player only played for eight years, and he was kinda I, I'm gonna even say below average as a as a catcher. He hit 208, 273 on base, didn't have much, well, he didn't have any power. He had two home runs. Uh, he had 17 stolen bases. They didn't keep track how many times he was caught at that point. So I can't imagine that it's a great number for a, for a catcher. Maybe probably better known as a manager. Won a National League pennant and a World Series managing the St. Louis Cardinals. And then uh, probably went on to be best known as uh, being an announcer as uh, he was uh, working with a young Harry Carey calling Cardinals games, Gabby uh, also was uh, part of one of the all-time greatest stunts as he tried to catch a ball that was dropped from the top of the Washington Monument, which, if he would have missed it, would have been pr- probably pretty painful. Oh, yeah. And I think I think it took like 16 tries to catch it. I'm assuming he was probably getting out of the way a lot of the time.
1: Right. Yeah, I think I'd have been getting out of the way 16 out of 16 times. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, Gabby was uh, named as part of the Monty Burns Dream Team in the Simpsons episode, Homer at the Bat. You can put nice. that on your two-strike noise bingo card for us mentioning Homer at the Bat. Uh, Gabby is also thought to have bought. I couldn't confirm this in anything I could read, but I read the story a couple of times that he is thought to have bought Tony Stone her first pair of cleats upon finding out that she could not afford them.
1: Wow, that's cool.
0: Yeah, so got that. Our second debut today, September 13th, in 1976, Dale Murphy makes his Major League debut. A seven-time All-Star, back-to-back MVP awards. He won four consecutive Silver Slugger Awards, won five consecutive Gold Glove Awards, finished his career with 398 home runs. What's with these guys the last couple of weeks that are finishing just like a couple of home runs short of these milestones?
1: I know, I know. It's it's another one.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I hope we're not talking that way about Albert Pujols, too. I hope not. Yeah, I mean Albert just hit as of the time of this recording hit 697. He's got like three weeks to hit three more. Oh, I just they gotta just start serving them up.
1: I'd be tempted to. I Although
0: I mean they're in a they're in a pennant race. So you can't really do that. It's kind of let's see <laughs> as of the time. Well, I guess they're eight up on the Brewers, so they're gonna win the Central. Uh, so yeah, just start grooving them, please.
1: If somebody be a hero if, if
0: we can order that that'd be great uh, let's see only three career postseason games for Dale Murphy It's very reminiscent of Don Mattingly yeah uh, and in those three games they were uh, Atlanta was swept by the Cardinals in 1982 uh, might eventually get into the Hall of Fame one of those guys that certainly a lot of people think he should be there could be one of those uh, veterans ballots he gets into the Hall of Fame. I think had he appeared on Sabrina the Teenage Witch, he might have gotten in already, but he did not. It know.
1: probably would have been "The Snow on the Hilltop. Yeah, that probably would have
0: put him over the top. So those are our debuts for today, September 13th. And with that, Mark, we're going to let the Grounds crew come out and do their stuff and we are going to get into the main portion of the show. I mentioned it earlier. I'm going to talk about kangaroo courts today. Not so much what they are. I think most of us know what they are, but you know what? In case you, you don't, here is Hook, Dmitri Young with a brief explanation. Oh, what kangaroo court is, is when you do something silly, you get written up by the team, and you eventually have court, and you'll have a opportunity to plead your case against the stupidity that you did and got caught by your teammates. So it's basically just doing stupid stuff. Now, we've talked about several of these fines before. We, we talked about Vince Coleman getting fined for <laughs> bar, letting Willie McGee borrow his glove when uh, <laughs> when I think his glove didn't show up or it was stolen or something and they fined him for every catch he made. <laughs> So there are the fines beyond the kind of humorous fines, which, of course, is shocking enough what I'm going to focus on. You do get fine for doing just blunders in the field, maybe running into the third out at third base, uh, maybe missing a sign, doing those kind of things. You'll get fine for that. But the kangaroo court is really made to kind of lighten things up. I, typically they are uh, held after a win don't really want to hold a kangaroo court after a loss that usually doesn't work well for anybody
1: well, i've seen a few kangaroo courts and i think my two favorites was uh, one guy got uh, he got named because he yelled back when it was his own pitcher throwing <laughs> over the first base <laughs> and uh, the other one was for peeing in the shower i'm not going to go too far into that
0: well how much did you get fined for that
1: Oh, there's there's a big difference between peeing in the shower and peeing into the shower. Okay,
0: (laughs) so I mean, some more mundane things that you can get nicked for, like say you step on your team logo, whether it's the carpet in the locker room or out on the field, wearing your sunglasses on your hat and covering up the team logo, wearing the same suit too many times on the road. And that can uh, that can get you pimping a double that one will definitely get you fined thinking you hit a home run and then barely just sliding into second safe that's mm. uh, it's always a problem one player turned himself in for overthrowing a cutoff and thought that hey you know what I'm going to just turn myself in maybe the the judge will go easy on me but according to clubhouse rules you can't fine yourself as a result he was charged double so <laughs> i've got some very specific things here, uh, a lot from players that everybody's gonna know, and uh, some events that (laughs) are the kind of things that I love to highlight here. So first of all, I wanna talk about Frank Robinson. Obviously, one of the greatest baseball players of all time, the first uh, African-American manager in uh, in Major League Baseball, one of the all-time greats. Also known for being the judge in the kangaroo court whenever there was one held on a team that he was on. So here are some of the highlights of Frank Robinson's uh, time on the bench. So first of all, Brooks Robinson with the Orioles in 1970. Orioles go to the World Series. Brooks Robinson hits 429 and of course played that Brooks Robinson defense at the hot corner. Well, he was fined uh, for showboating. (laughs) He he played too well. Just too well. Uh, Don Baylor who, by the way, would go on, and I've got some Don Baylor stories, he would rule over many courts later in his career as a veteran, but he learned under the best, Frank Robinson. As a rookie in spring training, Baylor told a reporter that he would be in the starting lineup as soon as he got, quote, in the groove, end quote. Well, Robinson read this and fined him for this quote, but beyond that, he gave him a nickname that stuck with him for the rest of his career, Do you know what that nickname was? Skippy? (laughs) Very close. It was Groove. Uh. And that's how he got the nickname Groove is because he said he was just waiting to get in the groove. And then everybody was going to know who he was. So I mentioned uh, Don Baylor uh, was a judge uh, as he became a veteran. He was a judge that one year he was in Oakland. And boy, he liked to rule with an iron fist. He fined Mark McGuire with the charge of not dressing up to major league standards. <laughs> the reason why, this was his quote. He said, stripes one way with stripes the other way, a tie and a leather jacket. Oh, God, if I'd stayed around here, he would have made zero money. <laughs> that fashion plate, Mark McGuire. Yeah, that
1: is an interesting combo.
0: Here's another great story about Frank Robinson and how he used his time as the kangaroo court judge to not only get some uh, you know, some money for that year-end party or to donate it to charity, but he also made people feel at home and really it was a team building uh, thing more than anything. So there was this guy named Jay Mazzoni. He was the Orioles bat boy from 1967 through 1972. And Jay's hands had been severely burned in an accident when he was two years old, and they had to be amputated. So he did his job as a bat boy with metal hooks uh, on his hands, or where his hands would be. He and uh, Frank, had a, they became really good friends. But several players didn't really know how to socialize with Mazzoni at first. Because you don't really want it, to... It's awkward, right? You, you, sometimes you don't know how to... Do you bring it up just get it out of the way do you not mention it do you just ignore this person and feel awkward well when frank ran the court sometimes he would ask players to vote and he'd you know it was like the the roman call scene give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down so after calling for one of these votes frank banged his gavel and said jay you're fined for not voting obviously he doesn't have a thumb <laughs> So everybody laughs laughs at this, and following that, Jay was treated just like everybody else. They even made him a big cardboard hand with a thumb so Jay could take place in future votes. So I thought that was really cool of uh, of Frank. Sometimes, players get awards rather than fines. Maybe the most obvious was the uh, phallic trophy that the Brewers awarded to the player of the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I assume it was kind of for exuding that BDE uh, for the game that, you know, you're the best, so here you go. Uh, if you look on YouTube, there are plenty of videos of interviews with this object in players' lockers. Uh, the Royals, though, would put a large gong in the uh, in the locker of somebody that made a mistake. The gong, very similar to the one on the gong show. they just stick it right in front of the locker.
1: Just needed Chuck Maris.
0: Well, uh. I say kind of like the uh, the, the, the <laughs> gong and the gong show. Let me rephrase that. It was the gong from the gong show. <laughs> wow. Pete LeCocq, one of our favorites, who we mention an awful lot for somebody that didn't really have that great of a career. <laughs> he finished his career, though, as a royal. And his father, of course, Peter Marshall who we also mention all the time, donated it for the cause. So they would put the actual gong from the gong show in front of a player's locker. Oh
1: my goodness. That's crazy.
0: Word has it. I couldn't confirm this, that the unknown comic would come and place it there that'll, that'll re- that's gonna really separate our audiences to if, if anybody knows who that is
1: <laughs> yeah the the unknown comic uh that's gonna say who used to watch TV in the 70s and who didn't
0: that yeah I mean i i don't really remember the unknown comic but i do remember i you know I'm a pop culture kind of guy I, I know what that i know I know the bag over the head <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that kind of stuff. I think so, his name was Murray
1: Langston, actually.
0: Oh, I I thought he was unknown. That's It's a oh, misnomer. He got,
1: he got paid a big chunk of money to remove the bag on live TV. jeez. <laughs> oh,
0: All right. Well, I'd say maybe that's a future episode, but I don't think that falls within the realm <laughs> of baseball history. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. All right. So apparently the Yankees, well, Joe Torre was manager, did away with kangaroo court. I don't know if Ooh. that was uh, an edict from Joe Torrey or, or what. But uh, once he left, it came back. And this was a good story I found. So A-Rod uh, missed a team photo. <laughs> the night before they made an announcement, put it on the board. Hey, we got a team picture tomorrow. We'll be here at this time. He doesn't show up. Uh, so it, it says that he just forgot about it, left, and the team photo was at 3.45. He showed up at 4.15. So the team was forced to use a stand-in for him. (laughs) I just imagine somebody in one of those green outfits. Mm -hmm. If you're you're an always sunny guy, a green man shows up there, and then they'll just, you know, superimpose him in later. Uh, But he was digitally added later into the photo. So he got fined for that. I'm wondering if Jeter really wanted him in the picture anyways. He might have told him the wrong time. Steve Lyons was always an easy target for fines. Now, dropping your pants at first, notwithstanding, Lyons was once fined for wearing eye black in a game that he was not in the starting lineup of. He was just, he (laughs) he wanted to be ready in case he got called into the game. So he's sitting in the dugout with the eye block on. So this is a real weird one. Uh, Do you remember Oral Horsheiser at one point actually pitched for the Giants?
1: I kind of. I think it's only because we've mentioned it.
0: Yeah, it's just one of those things at the end of his career. pitched for the Giants. Every week, he would be charged in kangaroo court for, quote, being a dodger. (laughs) And every week, obviously, he would lose. He racked up fines of $300,000 per offense. And it totaled at $8 million total over his, over his career as a Giant. Obviously, those fines were, I'm sure he paid some of it, but uh, I'm guessing he did not pay $8 million worth of.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kangaroo court fines, yeah. That would have been interesting.
0: Uh, Hall of Famers are definitely not off limits. When it comes to kangaroo court, everyone is uh, kind of on the same level. Ken Griffey Jr. was off to a rough start in his first year in Cincinnati. This is in the year 2000. He was hitting only 200 after the first month of the season, and he was fined by uh, future fellow future Hall of Famer, Barry Larkin, who was on the bench for the Reds, and he fined him for, quote, imitating an all-century player. (laughs) (laughs) This one is great. This one is kind of what led to this whole subject. July 6, 1986, Bob Horner... It's four home runs in a game that Atlanta ends up losing to the Expos. This is a team sport, though, baseball, and the team lost. So Horner was fined for not being able to carry the entire team. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I had never heard that before. and that, that is awesome. That alone matriculated into my brain and caused this entire episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie Quirk... This is, uh, this is another one I hadn't heard before. That's,
1: that's Jamie Minn at Cork.
0: Ja- Jamie Minn at Cork uh, presided over the Royals uh, bench while he was there for a while. He was there. He was teammates with Jim Eisenreich, who was just a model citizen. This was a, a stand-up guy, never caused problems anywhere he went that I know of. I, I'm going to just say that I know of. Well, he was fined for lack of previous fines. For the fact that he had never been fined before he got nicked there because of that. 2006, David Wright of the Mets... He was tagged out at first base after running through a bag, but then he made a turn to second base and tried to get back to first, but he was tagged out. He was brought up on charges in court for being tagged out on that. And his, uh, his defense was, quote, being a spoiled athlete of the modern era, the player is never wrong. The coach is always to blame, end of quote. <laughs> through first base coach Jerry Manuel under the bus, Tom Glavin was wearing the mop on his head at that point presiding over the uh, kangaroo court he found Wright guilty doubled the fine and presented Wright with a copy of tom amansky's instructional base running video which is just a cherry on top that's awesome uh do you remember brad ziegler Submarine. yeah a little bit yeah submarine relief pitcher for mm-hmm. a lot of teams well he's a big card and autograph collector as well you know one of us he also has 11 toes Oh. not all of them on one foot mind you but six and five oh, that's good
1: yeah oh it is six and five it's not like seven and four either no them.
0: it's not like nine and three or anything that weird but six and five well this garnered a fine in the minor leagues <laughs> because ah. that's kind of what you do but uh, the judge at this point was lou Merloney, who was a was a coach lou Merloney played for the red Sox, is who i remember most i think he played for the royals too He said that he would lower the fine if Ziegler displayed his toe oddity for the team to see. So Ziegler goes up to the table in front of Merloni and puts a six-toed foot on the table for everyone to look at. And as soon as that foot hit the table, Lou whacked the table with his gavel and said, $2 fine for putting your foot on the table in the middle of the clubhouse. (laughs) It is really a no-win situation when when you're fined. And the best thing to do is not fight it. Just pay your money and keep your mouth shut. That was it, completely because of the Bob Horner one sentence that I saw somewhere about him being fined for not carrying the team, and that led me down the rabbit hole of wanting to find some of those odd
1: kangaroo courts. That was fun, Jeff. Yeah.
0: Now I think I ask you, you you've been fined before. I have. Is it something we can talk about? I don't remember. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Basically what happened was the clubhouse manager and I decided we were going to get, we were going to work with this pizza place to provide the postgame spread for the home team. And when they showed up, they had enough to feed like six people. (laughs) They showed up with (laughs) three pizzas. (laughs) And, And we put them out there and we were just like, oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> this is embarrassing, and we had a date for it.
0: Well, well-deserved, I would think. I hope oh, you made the pizza. Totally I hope you made the pizza place pay the fine.
1: Oh, no, it, it was pretty expensive. It was two bucks. <laughs> so we used to throw a buck in. The, the, the guy running the show was Joseph Slusarski, actually.
0: Oh, time. really? He's yeah. slew nice. Yep. Boy, I love when you talk about the the Tacoma Tigers, and you throw yeah. a name out there I haven't talked about for a while that I that I remember. That's Sue awesome. was
1: great, all personality.
0: All right, so you know, of course, we get fined pretty often here. Oh yeah, <laughs> for mis you listeners, you would not believe how many times we just stop recording to look things up to say, did I? Was that number right? Was that name right? Was
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, Jeff? We don't do that. Oh yeah, on.
0: that's right. We really just edit this and then turn it around and post it immediately. No editing, no stopping. No. nothing. No,
1: nothing. No.
0: All right, that's going to wrap up the main portion of the show, and that is going to lead us into the final segment of the show. It is the segment we like to call, and so we do, Wax Pack Spirit. Wax. All right, Mark, uh, I have returned to form. I think I've lost three, four in a row, something like that. It's uh, frustrating. Looking up at the scoreboard, I can see we are knotted at seven wins apiece. So I do think this might be the closest I've ever been 14 games into the season with you. But uh, (laughs) yeah, we're going to we're going to keep pushing forward and uh, see if I can you know, get back on a winning streak. Today, we're going to be uh, looking at some more of these 2003 tops that I got my hands on recently. Uh, So we'll look at those. But if you are new to this uh, venture, let me run through the rules for you. We are going to open some cards here. Uh, Like I said, this week from 2003 we're going to take the baseball reference war of the player for that year 2003 we're going to add that up but we've got a couple of things that can either add or subtract to that total uh, anything on the player's face that means a mustache that means sunglasses if you're wearing eye black in the dugout doesn't matter it's still going to count uh, if you have got real stirrups if you have got sweat bands that have your uh, caricature or your jersey number on it uh, we're going to give you a tenth of a point for each of those things Uh, If you are wearing the two-in-one stirrups, though, we don't like that as much, so we're going to minus a tenth of a point for that. If you played any of your final three seasons in Seattle, you're going to get a tenth of a point for each season. If your batting helmet has two flaps or no flaps, that's an extra tenth of a point. If you're batting without batting gloves on either hand, that's an extra tenth of a point. If the player won an award that year, is rookie of the year, Cy Young, MVP, All Star, or Gold Glove? Half a point of war for each. If there is a Hall of Famer in the picture anywhere, you get a whole tenth, of, or you get a whole point for that one. Uh, if Ricky Henderson is uh, in the card, or if it's a Ricky Henderson card, I get five points of war for that. I'm not even going to tell you about Nolan Ryan because these cards are from 2003. So yeah, this that's is
1: going to be a little rough. Only,
0: only my benefit for this uh, this week. Uh, we're also each going to pick a team, and if Mark's team comes up on either pack, he's going to get an extra half a point for each time. And if my team comes up, I'm going to get a half a point. So, Mark, what is your team for this week?
1: Well, it seems like the Braves keep coming up, or the Atlanta team, sorry. The Atlanta team keeps coming up. We played against them today, we being the Mariners. So I'm going to go with the Boston Red Sox.
0: Well, because they were the Boston Braves.
1: That's it. Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, I was thinking about that as well. I talked about Joe Simpson at the beginning of the show. Yes. It was Dale Murphy. It was the anniversary of his debut. Uh, And I'm staring at his page right here. So I am going to go with the Atlanta team. Nice. All right, so I'm going to write down hammers there, because that's what I like to say. All right, so Mark, this is the pack again. Uh, there are like 8,000 cards in each of these packs. I don't think so. I think there's 30, something like that. So uh, I'm going to open it up. Would you like me to take the uh, top 20 cards or the bottom 20 cards?
1: Um, the, the bottom 20.
0: All right, and would you like the... First twenty, uh, the first ten out of the bottom, or the second ten out of the bottom.
1: <laughs> this is this is taking a long time. I, I think it's the first. All right. I'm not even sure what's going on, Jeff. I just trust you.
0: All right, so I'm going to have you go first. These are the first ten of the bottom twenty.
1: I can't keep track, man.
0: Yeah, well, you're going to get a lot of points here. Uh, You probably get a lot of points because he was a good player. But he's got on flip down sunglasses and eye black, Uh, so that's a good start. It is first baseman for the Giants,
1: JT Snow. JT Snow. Yeah. Wow. I I don't know if we've ever talked about him before.
0: Uh, I think we have because his link is purple here in my browser, but not very often. Uh, I I remember we did talk about him because I was shocked to find out that he came up in 1992 and played seven games with the Yankees before then going on to the Angels where he played, uh, well, you know, he, he only played four years for the Angels and then 10 years for the Giants, then one rogue year in 2006 with the Red Sox, and then came back and appeared at age 40 in 2008 in one game with the Giants did not get in that bat wow yes. weird uh let's see 2003 with the Giants 35 years old he hit 273 387 on base eight home runs 51 RBI oh this is pretty 55 walks 55 strikeouts wow it's a, it's a good little split right there and a 112 OPS plus, and that
1: will equal a war of 2.0. So J.T. Snow, one of my favorite players ever named after a form of precipitation. <laughs> Ranks right up there with Chip Hale. <laughs> oh,
0: I, I got nothing on that. I, was there anybody named Rain? I, I don't think Rain Wilson played professionally. <laughs>
1: no.
0: Uh, yeah. So let's see. 2.0, uh, war. Plus he's got the flip downs and the eyeglasses. So that eyeglasses, eye black. So that's 2.2. 2. Uh, let's see. Through 2001, only two first basemen in history owned owned a higher career fielding percentage. Wow! And only three have won more Gold Gloves. They're not going to tell us who, but that's that's from the back <laughs> of the card. Yes. Yeah, you gotta you gotta guess on that one. Six Gold Gloves for JT, but unfortunately not. Uh, unfortunately for you, not in 2003. Oh, he is the son of former NFL player Jack Snow.
1: Now, how did I not know that, being a Rams fan?
0: No, oh, I was going to say, I, I have no idea who Jack Snow is. but <laughs> There you go. Uh, went to the University of Arizona teammates with Kenny Lofton, Scott Erickson, and Trevor Hoffman. All right, so let's move on to your next card here. It is, oh, this guy we seem to come up with. It doesn't matter what year we pull, we get a Ron Gantt card.
1: <laughs> That's true. Remember, when we had those cards from the forties. Yeah, it was Ron Gant, Gant in there. <laughs> really weird. Ron Gant could
0: hit the ball though, man. I believe we had him just like two shows ago, and we found out that he knocked out the great grandson of Cy Young or something like that. That's right. Uh, we'll find out here in a minute. Ron Gant. Uh, let's see. 16 years in the big leagues. I think. Like I said, we just went over this a couple of weeks ago. 2003 was his final year. It was here his second stint in Oakland. Only 17 games, 182 on base, one home run, four RBI, a six OPS plus. <laughs> Those numbers just crack me up. An OPS plus <laughs> of six. <laughs> Uh, and a war of minus 0.5. Yeah,
1: he played S- enough to hurt the team.
0: Uh, almost a whole, well, a whole half a game worth. Yeah, and there's nothing on this card
1: that's going to help you
0: out. Uh, you know what?
1: I still like Ron again, despite do. the uh, despite the score here. I do too,
0: and he might knock you out. Oh, he! remember he he uh, helped set up the sting operation. In a mortgage fraud investigation and uh, knocked out in a bar fight, the great-grandson of Connie Mack.
1: That's right. I remember (laughs) that now, yes.
0: (laughs) That's a good story right there. All right, moving on to your next one. Here with the Kansas City Royals, it's Chuck Knobloch.
1: Chucky Knob, the blockhead. The blockhead.
0: Chuck Knobloch, available for a cameo if you are so interested. Nice. All right, Chuck Knobloch, Rookie of the Year in 1991 with the Minnesota Twins. Played 12 years in the big leagues. Unfortunately for you, 2002 was his final year. So nothing, and there is nothing on this card that is going to help you out either. Uh, Let's just take a quick look at his career numbers. Let's see, 407 career stolen bases. That's pretty good. 289 career average, 378 on base nothing wrong with that 98 home runs so another guy just too short of the <laughs> yes. of a, well Jeez. it's a milestone man yeah
1: yeah. Oh, yeah
0: I think we've talked about this before when he I, I think he signed with the Yankees rather than being traded when he got there Buster Olney who at that point was writing for the New York Times predicted that Knobloch and Jeter would form the greatest double play combination in history
1: in history in
0: history I don't think that, that that did not pan out.
1: I, I don't see them mentioned all that often as a great double play combination. You know, no.
0: you know especially when, when one of the greatest double play combination guys can't throw from second to
1: first. <laughs> that makes it an issue.
0: What, one of those errant throws apparently hit Keith Olbermann's mom in the head. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's what it says. If it's it's on the internet...
1: That's got to be true, then. Wow. Uh,
0: All right. Next, we've got a Seattle Mariner. Uh, There we go. This guy pitched forever, and I know he pitched for the Yankees for a long time. I think he's got a couple of World Series, and I think he was very tall. Uh, 6'8", Jeff Nelson.
1: Jeff Nelson. Oh, my gosh. One of my heroes.
0: (laughs) What has he done that made him a hero to you?
1: I will tell you. There was this year that I was playing in a, and I'm using quotes, celebrity softball game.
0: Wait, you were playing in a celebrity. Yes. That's what? right.
1: That's why I am <laughs> using quotes. <laughs> and Jeff Nelson was the left fielder. I was on the mound. Okay. And he hit a grand slam to win the game. That's. I tried to get him to come in in the last inning and pitch the last inning and get a save. But he's just like, nah, nah, you're doing good.
0: Now, were you considered a celebrity for your acting prowess or because you were a bat boy (laughs) at one
1: point? No, it was back in the days when I was an up-and-coming actor. Boy, those were the days. (laughs) That that was the day.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, let's see. We, I mean, we've talked about Jeff before. He was traded by the Mariners with Tino Martinez and mm-hmm. Jim Messier to the Yankees for Russ Davis and Sterling Hitchcock.
1: Yeah, Oops. Yeah.
0: It's not, it's not the Jay Buhner, but it's still a pretty, no. uh, it's not a great trade there. Uh, four World Series rings he's got. Yeah. Uh, pretty sure they're all with the Yankees. Uh, good news for you, he did play one of his final three seasons in Seattle. He was nice. a Seattle Mariner like eight different times. <laughs> he was. He's like Ricky Henderson in the A's. He just keeps you know, going back.
1: I still see him hanging around once once in a great while, maybe once a year, every couple years in the media dining room. I'll see him in there. Yeah. So I don't know what he's doing, but, you know, he's still in the game somehow.
0: Ah, well, let's see. 2003, he split time between the Mariners and the Yankees. He ended up 4-2 and two with a 3-7-4 ERA. He did have eight saves, 55 innings, two... Uh, Let's see, 117 ERA plus, and all of that will equal a .6 in the positive. There you go. Um, There is nothing, though, on this card. I cannot see. He had a mustache every now and then. Mm -hmm. He's got a 5 o'clock shadow. I'll I'll give it to you there. Okay, thank you. So that's a a plus .7. Next, you've got a guy you'll definitely uh, like this guy. He's with the Astros pitcher, Wade Miller.
1: Oh yeah, how about that, Wade
0: Miller? Fresh link to him here. We might not have had him before. Nine years in the big leagues, six of it with Houston. In 2003, he went 14 and 13. Okay, 4.13 ERA, uh, 187 in the third innings, 161 strikeouts, and a 1.06 ERA plus, and all of that equals a WAR of 1.3. Nice! Yay,
1: another positive.
0: Yeah, nothing else on this card is going to help you out. All right, uh, your next card is outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, sporting some eye black here because he's in the game already, Melvin
1: Mora. Well, I barely remember Melvin Mora, but I, I do remember him as an Oriole.
0: I think he played for a good deal, good, good amount of time. Let's see, 13 years in the big leagues. So according to the back of this card, uh, Melvin is the father of Quintuplets.
1: Whoa. So
0: good luck with that. Wow. I mean, I'm guessing, I'm, since these are 2003 cards and it mentions it on the card, I'm guessing they're grown up by now, but still, <laughs> that's
1: Wow, Quintuplets. Yeah, that's, wow.
0: Uh, that's a thing. Well, good news for you, uh, beyond the eye black, he was also an all-star in 2003. He was an all-star twice. Nice. In 2003, uh, 96 games, a 317 average of 418 OPS and a 503 slugging. Wow, he had a 921 OPS and a 143 wow. OPS plus this year. Wow. Yeah, really good season, and that is a 4.7. Okay. Plus you get the All-Star, so that's 5.2, and then the Eye Black, so that is a 5.3. Okay, I
1: admit I did not
0: see that coming. Uh, So according to an Orioles media guide, uh, Mora states that his most embarrassing moment as a player came as a rookie in 1999 when he didn't speak English very well. And his manager, Bobby Valentine, told him to go to second base, and he thought he meant left field. So he's standing (laughs) out in left field, and then the left fielder showed up, and there was a little... (laughs) Funny business going on. All right, so you're at nine even. Next, you have got a junior. You've got Jose Cruz Jr.
1: Oh, man, I had big hopes for him.
0: Let's see. Jose Cruz Jr., obviously the son of Jose Cruz, nephew of Hector and Tommy Cruz, who appeared in the big leagues as well. Uh, Cruz Jr. said that uh, he know that his Uncle Tommy knows his swing the best out of anybody. Hmm. That's via the back of the card here. 12 years in the big leagues for Jose Cruz Jr. He came up with Seattle, but did not finish mm-hmm. with them. 2003, he played one season with the Giants. Boy, he played a lot of single seasons with a with a team. Uh, 2003, though, 158 games for the Giants. He hit 250, 366 on base, 20 home runs, 68 RBI, and a 104 OPS plus. And that's good for 3.2. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, nothing else on this card is going to help you out. Wow, he was the third overall pick in the first round by the Mariners in 95.
1: Yeah, I had big high hopes for him. In fact, just the other day I was going through some of my uh, memorabilia and I had this Jose Cruz Jr. autograph baseball. Did you immediately price it on eBay? (laughs) No, I held it up close to my heart and, and said... I miss you, man. Oh, well,
0: I've got more good news for you. Uh, He won one gold glove in his career, and that was in 2003.
1: How about that?
0: So that'll be an extra half a point of war, and that'll bring you up to 12.7. Your next card is Robert Missing Person. Ah. Pitcher here for the Phillies. Let's see. Robert Person, nine years in the big leagues, split most of it between Philadelphia and Toronto. 2003 was his final season. He spent it in Boston for only seven games, ended up with a 7.71 ERA in 11 and two-thirds innings, and an ERA plus of 62, which is better than an OPS plus of six. Yes. And that'll be a war of minus 0.2, and there is nothing on this card that's going to help you out. You're getting a lot of minuses here.
1: Yeah, and I've noticed...
0: So while in Philadelphia, he had his own fan club, similar to the Gene Segura's Jeans Jeans, the person's people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. They have a lot of fan groups in Philadelphia, I'm noticing.
1: Apparently so. All
0: right. So you're at 12.5. Your next card is a Arizona Diamondback. It is Junior Spivey.
1: Mm, Yeah. Remember the name.
0: Let's see. Ernest Lee Spivey. It should be legal to be called junior if you're not an actual junior, whose agent was Dave Stewart, by the way. Oh, nice. Five years in the big leagues. uh, Dave Stewart's number retired today in Oakland. Uh, Let's see. 2003 with Arizona. 106 games. 255 average. 326 on base. 13 home runs. Not what I would expect from Junior Spivey. 50 RBI and a 90 OPS plus. And all of that will equal a positive .7. He does have some eye black on here, too, so that'll be a .8. And your final card is a uh, a Mariner favorite, and he's got some flip-downs here. Looking a little chunky, though. It's second baseman Brett Boone.
1: Oh, man, one of my favorites.
0: All right, so Brett, obviously a member of a legacy clan in baseball. Yep. Brother to Aaron. Son to Bob, grandson to Ray. Yeah. Uh, three-time All-Star, four gold gloves, two silver sluggers. Uh, well, good news for you. Two of his last three seasons were in Seattle. Came up with the Mariners and almost ended with them. But uh, he was traded yes. or somehow got to the Twins in 2005 for part of his final season. 2003, though, good news for you. All-Star year and a gold glove came in 10th in the MVP voting, 294 average, 366 on base, 35 home runs, 117 RBI, 16 stolen bases, caught only thrice. Wow. Very nice. 144 OPS plus, and that will equal 5.9. Plus you've got the All-Star and Gold Gloves, that's 6.9. The flip downs make it a 7.0, and then... Actually, th- parts of three of his last three seasons were with the Mariners. So that'll be a 7.3.
1: Wow. Fred Boone still, still driving him home for me. Wow. That will end
0: up with a 20.6. That's uh, that's a good score there.
1: Yeah, I, I I didn't have faith at the beginning, but things picked up.
0: All right, so now we're going to go into my cards here, and let's see what I can do. That's going to be a tough score to beat. All right, my first card, <laughs> off to a real strong start here. Catcher for the uh, Devil Rays. I think they were the Devil Rays still at this point. John Flaherty. John
1: Flaherty um, of the Boston Red Sox?
0: Well, here he was uh, with the with the Rays. Right. Yep. Yep. Uh, John Flaherty came up with the Red Sox in his 14 years in baseball, only spent two years in Boston, five with the Rays, three with the Yankees. did not get to New York uh, during some World Series years, unfortunately. Uh, I do like this, though. As a catcher, his nickname was Flash. Nice. (laughs) not really a a nickname commonly associated with a catcher. Let's see. 2003 with the Yankees, 40 games, 267 average, 297 on base, four home runs, four RBI and a OPS plus of 97. And that will equal a positive 0.6. So at least I'm going in the right direction.
1: There you go. We're looking on the bright side.
0: Yep. All right. My next card. Oh, I've got an insert card for a hall of famer who's Ooh. got a mustache and a beard. It is a Larry Walker.
1: Oh, he's got a, he's got a mustache and a beard in that. one. Wow. Yeah. He's
0: got a goatee,
1: I guess. That's oh, I see.
0: Probably the best way to describe it. I think we just have Larry Walker the other week. Uh, obviously a hall of famer, MVP, five-time all-star, seven gold gloves, three batting titles. Uh, none of this occurred in 2003, of course. Uh, with Colorado at age thirty six, one hundred forty three games, he hit two eighty four, a four twenty two on base, very nice. Uh, walked more than he struck out, ninety eight walks compared to eighty seven strikeouts.
1: That's yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, sixteen home runs, seventy nine RBI, and a one twenty one OPS plus, and that equals a WAR of four point four. He is a Hall of Famer, so that's five point four. The goatee is a five point five. I mean, that's a a quarter of your score there with just Larry Walker. Man. Well, he was Larry Walker. Still is, as a matter of fact. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next. Oh, boy. Uh, This is going to be a real hard card. Uh, It is celebrating the Angels' ALCS uh, triumph over the Yankees and the Giants' NLCS triumph over Atlanta. And it is two pictures of both teams piling on each other
1: on the mound. Oh, good luck with that.
0: Yeah. So uh, I I think I get to look up the value of every player in this
1: card, right? Right. <laughs> right. You, you call me tomorrow morning. We'll finish the show.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, let's see. I can see Dusty Baker getting uh, getting a hug. And uh, that's really... I. I, I'm afraid I'm not going to get any value out of that.
1: It's like a checklist.
0: All right. Well, next, I've got uh, got another insert card. This one, though, we can use. Sporting News All-Stars, DH for the Red Sox, Manny Ramirez.
1: Manny, still being Manny.
0: Let's go uh, Manny Wood. We'll, we'll stick with Manny Wood. 12 times he was in All-Star, two World Series, nine Silver Sluggers, and he won a batting title as well. In the 2002 season, just oh. missed. Uh, 2003, he was an all star though, so I've got that going for me. 325 average, a 427 on base to lead baseball, and a 587 slugging, 37 home runs, 104 RBI, and a 160 OPS plus. Intentionally walked a uh, AL leading 28 times. Wow. Yeah, and that is going to equal a 5.4 war. And uh, that's going to be it. Nothing else on that card is going to help me. Uh, the All-Star will help, so that'll be a 5.9, which, again, is, is about a quarter of your... I'm at 12 even now. My goodness. After, really, three cards, because that one card, I didn't get anything. Our, oh, jeez. They stick a lot of these in the middle. I've got a AL Home Run League Leaders... Oh. oh no! So, oh my gosh! So, I've got three different players on this card. I've got A Rod, Jim Tomy, and Rafael Palmero.
1: Come on, that's like a game over card.
0: I think this is a you win card right here. Um, yeah. So, I, how do you want to do this? Should I just take the war of each of these, or do you want to take one of them?
1: I I don't know. Let's vote.
0: Well, here's what I here's what we'll do. I'm gonna let you pick one of these three because I'm gonna be happy, I'm pretty sure, with the numbers of any of these three. All right. Who do you want me to pick? Arod, Tomei, or Palmero?
1: Um, probably Palmero.
0: <laughs> I was hoping you go with Tomei. He's the only one like eligible legitimately for the Hall of Fame for not <laughs> using <laughs> well. <What? shots laughs> that we're aware of at least.
1: I'm sure you had a great season.
0: Well, he uh, he was a league leader in home runs, so I got that going. Well, at least the year before he was. Uh, 2003, well, I think you picked right. I only hit 260, 359 on base, uh, 38 home runs, 112 RBI, a 117 OPS plus, and that equals a 3.6. He does have a mustache as well, so that'll be a 3.7. Maybe one of our our new rules next time we update the rules is if you are mentioned in the Mitchell report, you minus points.
1: That's not bad. Yeah,
0: I think that Well, we don't have enough minus things. I think that might be a good one. All right. So we'll move on from Raphael. Next, I've got second baseman for the Giants who is wearing sunglasses and got a mustache here. Barry Bond's best friend, Jeff Kent.
1: Jeff Kent had some really good years. Did you get one of them?
0: Uh, Let's see here. In two thousand and three, he was actually with the Astros this year, and it was a it was a typical Jeff Kent year. I mean, the guy was really good. The guy was a class A jerk, but uh, he was a good ball player. Hit two ninety seven this year, three fifty one on base, twenty two home runs, ninety three RBI, and a one nineteen OPS plus. Which has got to be considered a down year for him. <laughs> I mean, this guy was 290 career average, 377 career home runs, 1500 RBI, a 356 career on base. I mean, he was really good. Uh, yeah, let's he see. was solid. 2003, this only equals a 2.8, but he does have the uh, eye black, or not the eye black, the sunglasses and the mustache. So that'll be an even three. And that'll take me up to 18.7 Oh my compared goodness. to your 20.6. So I'm feeling good here.
1: No question.
0: It's, this is a, Ray Ratto, who's a, a, a writer here in San Francisco. I think he's with The Atlantic uh, now. But uh, this is how he described the rivalry between Kent and Bonds, who got into an actual physical fight at one point in the dugout. He said, quote, the one who lives longer will attend the other's funeral just to make sure he's dead. (laughs) Okay. Now owns a 4,000 acre cattle ranch in Texas and also owns a chain of motorcycle and ATV dealerships. Okay. All right. So looking through the rest of Jeff Kent's I never want to talk about him again. <laughs> he's just, he is, uh, he's, he's something. All right. Uh, well, I got a Hall of Famer again. Oh, great. Is Billy Wagner, a Hall of Famer. Billy Wagner is? Let's see. Billy Wagner is not a, a, why do I think Billy Wagner is a, is he maybe one of those guys that should be a Hall of Famer or is maybe. thought of? I don't, he's not a Hall of Famer at all. He should be. I, I'm going to put him in the Hall of Fame. Let's see. good enough for me. Well, he was an all-star in 2003. Also uh, had 44 saves, 86 innings pitched, 105 strikeouts for a 247 ERA Jeez. plus. He was an all-star and 147% above average. <laughs> Goodness. Uh, let's see. For his career, 422 saves. Never led the league in saves.
1: That's weird.
0: Yeah, I, I guess he's probably just always a an all-star caliber closer, but not a Hall of Fame closer.
1: He can be pretty dominant, you know. So that's, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, in his career, 903 innings pitched, 1,196. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, 1,196 strikeouts. So that's more than a strikeout per inning.
1: That's pretty awesome.
0: Uh, let's see for the year 2003. That equates to a war of 3.4 plus being an all-star is 3.9, which oh will God. take me to 22.6. Oh man! Which again, crunch the numbers here, and that is two higher than yours. So, as long as my final three cards aren't minuses, I'm I'm in a good spot.
1: I can't think of anyone that would particularly put you down three points.
0: Uh, well, Ron Gant could start me in that direction. <laughs> All right, so I got three cards left. Uh, I just need to stay positive here. Next shortstop for the Cardinals, Edgar Renteria.
1: Not not the Edgar that we're used to here in Seattle. Different one. No.
0: How about Edgar Renteria to own? Does that work? <laughs> or that's kind of a uh... stretch. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Edgar Renteria, 16 years in the big leagues, uh, most of it with St. Louis, including 2003 when he was an all-star and a gold glove winner. I like it. So there's a point right off the bat. 157 games, 330 average, 394 on base, 13 home runs, 100 RBI, 34 stolen bases, walked 65 times, only struck out 54 a 130 OPS plus and a war of
1: 5.6. I guess that's not negative.
0: That will be a 6.6 with the gold glove and the all-star. Now, can I start banking some of these points for next week?
1: Well, we have to check the rule book. Let me look. Nope.
0: Wait, now I, I'm the commissioner, I thought. I thought I had the ultimate well, say. Well,
1: there's still the rule book. <laughs> it's only in my head.
0: His nickname is the Barranquilla Baby. Barranquilla, baby. Which, uh, he was born in Barranquilla, Colombia. Thusly, the nickname.
1: I've been to Colombia, Jeff.
0: Uh, I've been to Colombia, too. Well, I haven't been to Colombia, been to Colombia, but I've been to Colombia. That is a reference that I guarantee you nobody will get, but, uh, I'm gonna say yes, it anyway. a fact. Because, uh, it's from one of my favorite movies of all time that nobody else has seen. And, and you have to substitute Prague with Colombia. It's, it's a real reach, but, uh. Uh, All right, let's see. Let's move on. I got two more cards left, and I'm running away with it. Next, we've got uh, Cheater, outfielder here with the Royals, uh, Carlos Beltran.
1: Beltran, yep.
0: Let's see. Carlos Beltran, Rookie of the Year in 1999, nine-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove winner, won a World Series in 2017, they tell us uh let's see in 2003 with the royals 141 games hit 307 a 389 on base 26 home runs 100 rbi 41 stolen bases wow very nice 132 ops plus i don't think this is going to be a negative either a 5.8 war what 5.8 that bumps me up to 35 even now if i double your score do i get two wins no, you win,
1: uh, like, a turkey
0: or something. Oh, I don't like, we don't eat turkey. I hope something better than that.
1: Well, maybe it can be a possum.
0: You'll you'll give me one and a half wins and we'll round down. About I'll that. buy you breakfast in Oakland. <laughs> in 2004, was one of 24 athletes who endorsed George W. Bush's re-election. There were only 24 of them. All right. All right. My final card is another Royal. Boy, we did not have a single Red Sox or Atlanta player.
1: Nothing. Uh,
0: My final player is uh, second baseman for the Royals, Carlos Febles.
1: I remember Febles. Because I remember accidentally calling him Feebles for a while.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure he's a a coach somewhere in the big leagues. I I still see him around sometimes. Uh, Only six years in the big leagues. I would, again... Love to have a six-year big league career. In 2003, it was his final one. All of them, all six were with the Royals, by the way. He hit two thirty-five, no home runs, 11 RBI, eight stolen bases, a 46 OPS plus, and a war of minus 1.7. What the heck? Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's a
1: big minus. Minus
0: 1.7. That, you have got to be really, really bad. I mean, the 2003 Royals, they were they were 83 and 79. Like they weren't bad, but they might have won the central had they not had Carlos Fabless. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is something. All right. So Carlos Febles, uh, I, I I guess those who can't do teach. And that's why I see him still <laughs> as a <laughs> as a coach around the big leagues. I know that's an awful season. But it, it doesn't matter because uh, I have come away with a win. 33.3 compared to your 20.6. And I'm back on the good side. And uh, back in the league. Oh. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Also, going to do it for this episode. We'd like to thank everybody. Hey, we've really been getting some really cool emails and DMs, and even just people posting things without tagging us that somehow uh, get forwarded to us. Uh, that's really cool. We really appreciate it. And yeah,
1: uh, yeah, and, <laughs> and the reviews too. We those are great. We really appreciate you taking the time to do stuff like that, people.
0: Yeah, and it does help us. Uh, anybody retweeting us, uh, doing reviews, just getting our name out there, um, we really, really do appreciate it. But uh, if you cannot get enough of us or want to find out where you can find all these things to help us out with, uh, we are on all the social medias. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise. Uh, you can also Find us on a Gmail account that Mark uh, likes to uh, keep to himself over there.
1: Yeah, spell it out, just like Jeff said, TWO strike noise at gmail.com. So that way, if you want to
0: talk smack about me with Mark, you can send it there and then he will get oh, yeah. it between the two of you. But uh, all right, well, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, I'm curious to know how many times we're going to get fined in the kangaroo court next week for this week's show but uh, nevertheless we will be here for another episode of Two Strike Noise
1: thank you God bless you have a great day